Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Wonderful to have you with us this morning on Good Friday. I'm going to read this morning from Luke 23. You can follow along on the screen. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simeon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the, put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the, woman who had been, the women who had been following him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching part of the story of the crucifixion. You may have noticed the dialogue that Friday morning was bitter. From the onlookers, come down from the cross if you're the son of God. From the religious leaders, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Bitter words, hateful words, very irreverent words. You have to wonder, wasn't it enough that he was being crucified? Wasn't it enough that he was being shamed as a criminal? Weren't the nails enough? Wasn't the crown of thorns enough? Wasn't it enough that he had been flogged? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter that passers-by hurled insults at Christ as they crucified him. They didn't just yell or speak or scream. They hurled verbal stones. They had every intention of hurting and bruising 
with the words they spoke. We've broken his body, now let's break his spirit. So they launched their arrows of poison at him. The words that were thrown that day were meant to wound, and I'm sure they probably did. But I'm also sure this morning that I'm not telling you anything new. No doubt you've had your share of words that wound. You've probably felt the sting of words. Maybe you're still feeling them. Your injuries may be internal this morning, not seen by others, but that doesn't make them any less real. If you've suffered or are suffering because of someone else's words or deeds, you'll be glad to know that the Bible tells us there is healing. There is healing balm for our wounds. The Bible gives us the answer when we are faced, like Jesus, with this. The Bible says that when the crowds hurled insults at Jesus, he didn't retaliate. Instead, he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. 1 Peter says it like this. It actually says he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Not only did he not retaliate, he said these amazing words while the insults were being thrown. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. There's a key in here. Those, those are amazing words for someone who's hanging on a cross to say. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And there's a key in those words for every person here today, for, in fact, for every person on the planet. And it's a key to unlock the pain that so many carry around every day of their life. Jesus is giving us a key to how he managed to forgive, how he managed to not retaliate, how he managed to let go. It's right here. He said it like this. He said, for they don't know what they are doing. It's as if Jesus looked out at that, that angry crowd, at that death-hungry crowd of people who were hurling abuse at him, and he saw them not as murderers, but as people who didn't really have a clue, as people who didn't understand what they were doing. And when you think about it, it's true. They hadn't the faintest idea what they were actually doing. They were mad. They were mad at, at something they couldn't see, and that, so they took it out. They took it out on, of all people, God. But they didn't really know what they were doing. And if we're honest today, you know, for... For a lot of our lives, we, found our, we find ourselves in the same situation as that crazy mob. We, half the time, don't know what we're doing. We're still lost. We still do things we don't want to do. 
We still hurt the people that we love the most. We, we still find ourselves pushing and striving and giving our all for things that won't actually matter an iota in the end. We still worry and get anxious over things we should be leaving in his hands. We don't really know what we're doing. And I know that doesn't justify some of the things that we do or, or the wrong things that people do to us, but it does help us to see why every single one of us needs what this cross represents. And that is what Jesus offered to those who were bent on hurting him, who were bent on hurling words of pain and anger at him, who were bent on killing him. He offers every single one of us forgiveness for the messes we make. Everyone. Our wealth is in the cross. The beautiful cross. And as we read those, as we, as we remember those verses that I read at the beginning of my message, you may have noticed that there were two criminals hanging on the cross that day. One on either side of Jesus. One of the criminals joined in the abuse. He joined in the, the insults. He joined in the, the anger. He hurled words at Jesus. But the other one, he realized something. He realized he needed God. Luke 23, it says, Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. This criminal, he got it. He understood that he was in need. And so he asked a simple but important question. He said, Jesus, remembered me. remember me. He said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm up here on a cross, hanging for doing wrong. And I realize right now that I need you. You know, the only thing that, that is more outlandish than the question that this criminal asked Jesus was the fact that Jesus granted it. Think about it. This guy, he was a, a criminal. He'd broken the law. He was the lowest of the low. He deserved to be up there. He, he, he scammed, he cheated. He didn't deserve to be remembered. He didn't deserve to be pardoned. He didn't deserve grace. What he did deserve was hell, but what he got when he humbled himself before Jesus was heaven. Why? Why? Well, I believe Jesus was trying to tell us all something. He was trying to tell us something that is very important. He was trying to teach us something that we all need to know. He was trying to send us a message that would travel down the halls of time. And that message is this. It is that every single person matters to him. Every single person is valuable to him, no matter what. Because if anyone was ever worthless, this guy was. If any man ever deserved dying, this man probably did. 
If anyone was ever a loser, this guy was, was right up at the, at the top of the list, which is precisely why Jesus chose him, to show us how he feels about the human race. Maybe this criminal had heard Jesus speak. Maybe he'd, he'd seen him love the unlovely. Maybe he'd seen him love the accused and the, the, the so-called unimportant. Or maybe he had never, ever met Jesus before. Maybe the only thing he knew about Jesus was what he saw. A beaten guy strung to a cross, claiming to be God. But somehow he realized that even though he, all he had left was a prayer, he'd finally met the one he needed to pray to. Any chance you could put in a good word for me? Consider it done. Why did Jesus do it? What did he have to gain by promising this desperado criminal a place in heaven? What could this criminal ever offer in return? You know, that right there is the point. The whole point of the cross, the whole point of why Jesus Christ came is that Jesus' love does not depend on what we do for him, not at all. It does not depend on what we do for him. In the eyes of Jesus, you have value simply because you are. You don't have to look nice. You don't have to perform well. Your value is inborn. You are valuable just because you exist. Not because of what you do. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you have. Not because of how you look. But simply because you are. Remember that. It is important that you know that. It is important that you remember that. You and I do not deserve love like this. When we get right down to it, any contribution that any of us make is small, tiny, insignificant. All of us, even the purest of us, don't deserve heaven. We, we don't deserve it. Just like that criminal did not deserve it. No one. No one would have given that criminal airtime. Air no one would have given him a prayer. None of us would. I wouldn't have. But you know what? In the end, that's all he had. And in the end, that's all it took. A prayer. All it took was him realising his need. His need for God. There were two criminals on that cross. One on each side. Jesus in the middle. One of them scoffed. And you know that's how some people look at Jesus. That's how they look at him. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. So you're God, are you? Prove it. And people, they, they hurl insults at God. And they cast judgment at God. And they blame God for all sorts of things that he had nothing to do with. 
Because all he ever did was send his son, his best, because of his great love. But the criminal on the other side, he understood that. And he understood, wow, actually, remember me, I, I need you. I'm, I'm lost without you. And the, in the same way that Jesus responded to that man, the lowest of the low, it's the same way he responds to every person who ever calls out to him. Every person. His arms on that cross were open wide. His arms are still open wide. He died because you are valuable to him. He died because he loves you more than his own life. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.